and they're like, what is, what the fuck? And I was like, one has orange juice in it and one has orange juice, sort of a little bit of, it's a glass of champagne. <laughs> one has a splash of orange juice scent. Yeah, like, it's like sort of vaguely orange colored. The it's other is a glass extract of, of orange is a mimosa. juice. <laughs> yeah, the other is a mimosa. I put an orange in it. <laughs> well, that's like my sangria. Have I told you about my version of sangria? No, but it sounds wondrous. When I make sangria, it's um, red wine with a couple of ice cubes. And like if there's a little bit of fruit lying around, I throw that in there. Maybe there's a strawberry in that glass of wine or, or a grape. But it's just sort of red wine with a little bit of ice. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap wine for those who are out there feeling offended. <laughs> Hell Yeah. I didn't get any of his whistling this episode. I got him, but I didn't get any of his whistling this episode. There is I was a very upset by that. sound effect in the background when he walks in. <sighs> mm-hmm. God damn it. You missed it. I seem um, to always miss it. Eh, it's subtle. So. All right. Here we are. I'm going to stop eating my dinner. I'm like, all right, you have my full attention. Uh, My whole situation is like, I don't have it together right now. All right, let's jump in because our goal is to do this in like 45 minutes, right? Because you have sports ball and I have like bed. You have bed. That's the more important thing. I need to go to bed. All right, so let's... Let's just jump straight in. So welcome back, guys. This is going to be our no book spoilers episode for the Wheel of Time season two, episode five. So full show spoilers um, and as close to nothing from the book as I can manage. Mm -hmm. Which is basically just her refusing to answer my questions, basically. Yeah, it's just me sitting here quietly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) dude so okay i i'm glad that they're at the top of the notes by the way because i need to get this off my chest talk about the supergirls yeah um i'm taking the second n out of naive's name because she is just straight naive i it irritates (laughs) me (laughs) i have for a while it it straight up irritates me how flippantly she's moving through foam Oh yeah. When it's like apparent these guards are looking for them. Mm-hmm. Like it just it drives me nuts. She's like, fuck you, Elaine. I'm getting the hell out of here. And then this warder's like, ha, bet. <laughs> <laughs> I really like how that puts Elaine forward. And I yeah. agree with you. Um, it's not the best look for Nynaeve, but it does it does showcase like Nynaeve actually is kind of like naive. She's never been anywhere except for the two rivers and the journey to the tower, right? She's never like, she's like lived zero life and she has like basically no idea where she is. And she, what Nynaeve doesn't understand and she's too proud to listen to Elaine is, which is very accurate for her character, right? Like it's good. It's, it's obnoxious, but it's good character. But she doesn't understand that the Shanshan are like invaders, even though Elaine is telling her this, she's kind of like, yeah, she's like, these guys have never been here before. It's occupied. She literally says the city is occupied. Yeah. And Nynaeve, like, I don't, I think first of all, she's under duress. So I'll give her a little bit of a break, but like, I don't know that she fully understands that. And it really highlights the difference between her and Elaine. Cause Elaine is the daughter heir, right? She's the princess Mm -hmm. of like the hottest shit around, (laughs) right? Like Andor's a big deal. The place that she's princess of is like 
the biggest place to be the princess of basically right so it's like she understands politics she understands diplomacy and we've seen that a bunch from her already in the show so like i loved that dynamic and you're right Nynaeve's being an idiot yeah i mean for her title have formerly being the wisdom she really doesn't have any <laughs> like it's just it and like i get it like she's supposed to be freaking out and trying to get her friends and now Egwene is gone which is a hundred percent her fault by the way who's Egwene's. she turns around to create i don't know how but the wall to protect them first of all okay i'm gonna this i was so excited about this whole episode yeah i was just like i was on the edge of my seat while i was laying down but the the using the one power as a fucking mortar strike was the sickest thing I've ever seen in this show so far since the last dope thing I saw. Yeah. But them just firing like channeled rockets into the sky and then them come to all dude. It was so sick. I know I'm supposed to hate them, but the Sean Chen are like quickly becoming super almost dope to me until the fingernail thing. And then I was like, Oh my God, that's gross. Those aren't like, jewelry that's her goddamn fingernails those are her nails those are real fingernails and yeah uh erin pointed out in the dark friend social she'll have to regrow them before she can be one of the blood again which is like the the noble nobility basically like it's it's there the shanshan culture is complicated i will say the shanshan are some of my favorite stuff despite how horrible they are because if it wasn't clear before this episode it should be clear now the shanchen are slavers and yes, bad guys um but they are still they're some of the most interesting stuff so i'm glad they're here we're going to talk about them more in a second but briefly on the supergirls i want to back up to when they're in the ways real quick uh first of all we're back in the ways looking great it's awesome we didn't spend a lot of time there i didn't get my um Machin Shin again, but I don't think I'll get to see it again. Um, don't look at me like that. But <laughs> I do I I'll tell you I know. I'll tell you why. Oh my sweet God. Okay. <laughs> if that's your take, I respect no, I your just opinion. Like, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> I, I what's really starting to like irritate me, and it's not irritating me, it's just like it's it's irritating how much I love it and I know that it can't continue. Is every episode since the third episode, we have had some amazing one-on-one conversations between Leandrin and Nynaeve. I think every episode they've had a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so good and they're so awesome at building like character development and shit. Mm-hmm. And you find out like Leandrin, we don't know what her one thing is, but we know she didn't find it with the Aes Sedai and it wasn't her son. Right. Right. We do. Well, yeah, I guess that's a fair point. We don't really know why. And that is the theme of this episode, right? Is like, what's the, what drives you to the dark? Right. Right. Comes up with everybody. Um, and I hate saying this and I'm sorry, sweetie, I love you, but we went into that a lot in the dark friend social. I'm sure you did. (laughs) I'm sure you fucking did. I know. No, but, um, (laughs) uh, but, but yeah, that theme's really interesting and there's a lot of characters who have that going on. Like Seroth gets asked, like, what's your reason? Right. We, so I, I think they want us thinking about that, uh, men as well last week, right? Like getting a reason to, to do bad guy, baddie things. So, um, that is really interesting. I'm interested in the fact that they confirmed her son isn't dead. And like, yeah, maybe it seems like that's maybe not what her reason was. And I, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know. I know it's it's an interesting open question. I think like the price that you have to turn to the dark, and like maybe she did. Maybe keeping her son secret was part of her price because he's sick, but he was he's still secret. He was safe from the Reds, so like maybe True. that is the reason. It's 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 really tough to say. But the interesting part to me about that conversation was a confirmation. And I'm like, praise God, like let some of this stuff come out in the open um, that she has broken the three O's, that that is confirmation that she has broken the three O's, that dark friend Aes Sedai, later to be explained, thank you, Varen, as the black Aja have different, have, are not held to those oaths. Just want to say I called that one too. Yeah. Thank you, God. I just, but it's like, let's get that out there, right? Like the, the concept of the black Aja, I think needed to be out there. The black Aja, the black Aja exists. Um, yeah, and it was I that like, like one random librarian myth. chick. Yeah, she was like, "Well, then that would mean that they exist." And Varen's like, mm-hmm. "They do exist." Yeah, it's well, it's like there is no war in Bussing, say right. It's like everybody yeah. says the Black Aja is not a thing. Like that, I said, I will die on that hill of like there is no Black Aja, but like there's totally a Black Aja. So, um, I'm glad that we got that out of the way, and that now we know, as a viewing audience what to look for because if you can break the oaths, then you are likely Black Aja. But any uh so we're looking out for lies we're looking out for breaking or for using the power as a weapon um all good stuff all good stuff so i'm glad that we have that out there so that we can look for lying i said i because i said i truths are so sneaky anyway and now we can look out for ones for any overt i said i lies we can be eyeballing for so that's cool and we actually see leandrin lie a bunch to varen later like pretty overtly, like stuff yeah, that we know is a like lie. Just like outlandishly lie. Yeah, yeah, and at least from our perspective as being in the know of like where she's been, like the stuff she's saying is like pretty categorically untrue. So it's fun to have it revealed and then like watch her do that. So I liked that. Um, and then, yeah, we have Nynaeve and Elaine together. Great pairing. Love it. Love their dynamic. Um, and Elaine taken as Demane. So... We see the caller. Sorry, yeah, Egwene taken as Demani. So the, the Demani are the. I think we're we're you know what we're gonna learn everything about the Demani next week. Um, I think we are. But Elaine has the trailer shows her beating one. the shit out of that lady. Uh, the trailer shows her getting the shit beaten out of her too. Like, right, I, you see until the very end. Okay, but the way it like looked, and I wanted to ask this because I want to make sure like I'm seeing this like the way I'm supposed to be seeing this or whatever, but like when she tries to hit, I guess it's, I don't know the name, but her handler or whatever, whatever she tries to do to that lady is actually done to her instead is what it looks like. You have to watch and find out. You're going to have to watch and find out. Yeah. As, as, uh, as Robert Jordan always said to the audience, read and find out. So RAFO, like we're going (laughs) to, we're going to find out. You'll have to see next week what the, what the mechanics are of the collar and the leash. And being Demane and their handlers, who are called the Suldam. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, so they are slaves, though. Like that, I'll say. Like they are absolutely. She has been taken as a slave. So, yeah, that's absolutely what it felt like. And yeah. if it didn't click, remember in the first episode where we see them? I think it actually is in episode one or episode two. And they have one of the Demane walking around and like pointing at which women to take, and they kidnap them. Yeah, it's the girl that uses the fire as mortar strike. She's like the main like attacker every time that Suroth Shanchen or like seeing. yeah, she's, yeah. There's a bunch of them, but um, but that's that's identifying who can channel to take the Mistamani. 
is what she was. Yeah, doing. I figured. So there, yeah, if that hadn't clicked. So okay. In the interest of like Darfur and social is gonna be like two hours again, so we'll keep us moving. No, on this. Like- <laughs> <laughs> uh let's let's wrap up anything we have left on the Shanshen. Um okay. Oh, okay. So I didn't want to think that the thing in the box was the Horn of Valir. I wanted to think it was some other thing, especially because of the way that you had been talking about it. I was like, there's no way he's just going to walk up and give him the horn. I had kind of thought that it was maybe going to be something different. And fascinatingly, that didn't come up in Dark Friend Social. So like Aaron put that in your, I know you're listening. I know you're out there somewhere. Put that one in your cap. We'll go ahead and do it. No, the thing that I thought for a second that it might be it wasn't. And had it been that thing, I think it actually would have been too early, but I would have mm-hmm. fallen over dead, deader than I did in this episode yeah. anyway. But no, it was it was the Horn of Valir, which actually makes a lot more sense. I actually don't really know why I didn't just assume that it was the Horn yeah. of Valir. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And like basically Turok gets two wildly powerful gifts in, in a, this episode. Egwene he gets he gets the horn and Egwene. Mm-hmm. Um and I think one of the really cool things about this is like, yeah, I've been shitting on Egwene this whole season so far about like, dude, she's just like, no, everyone keeps ignoring her. She's not doing anything or whatever. But the fact that she turns around and just like creates a wall to protect them as they're running almost like without doing anything, like she doesn't move her hands very much. I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. She's actually like legitimately gifted. Yeah, she yeah. is, and she's been learning and knows what she's doing, and yeah, such a gut punch that Nynaeve is blocked and she can't channel and she couldn't do anything. Yeah, even in that moment, so, like she didn't have it in her, she couldn't do it. I think it's either I'm not understanding it, or the show is not doing a good job of explaining it. Is she just refusing to use the power, or she can't physically do it? Like she just is not mentally able to remember these weaves. Uh, or do neither. Them? Neither. So they sh- they show um, there's a scene with Leandrin where she's like kind of trying to threaten her, get her to use the power a little bit. And she's like, you learned that you saw me do that weave one time and you knew how to do it again. Like she can pick up on weaves really quickly. She's a super powerful channeler. She's physically able to do it. The problem and she's not refusing to do it um, in some cases in the tower a little bit, but it's less of a refusal and more of like Nynaeve has a block. And that means that she struggles to embrace the source. And this is a distinction that hasn't been made super clear in the show. So this isn't really spoilers. It's just mechanics. But it's like there's – I think that we'll probably get more of it eventually. But it's like you go from like you have access to the one power and you're not using it in any way. And then you embrace the source, which basically means like you're plugged in. You have to embrace the source in order to do a weave. And Nynaeve – can't embrace the source really on command no she just makes shit explode yeah so it's just sort of like pops out of her like like harry potter before he goes to hogwarts yeah but she is really bad at embracing the source and so she she's just like she's unable to do what they show Egwene doing in episode one of season one where she where Nynaeve pushes her into the water and they say surrender 
right? So the whole like how to embrace the source and how to control the source uh, in men and women is analogous to orgasm. This is very real. This is like totally legitimate. This is what it is. So for men, it's like you have to like control it. You have to like gain control over your shit or it's going to take over you. And for women, you have to surrender. You have to let go to to embrace the source. So this is like the distinction where you're going to see Rand like constantly struggling to hold it together and the girls, well, Nynaeve in particular, you know, most of them don't have a problem with this as we've seen, but Nynaeve is unable to kind of relax and and like let it take her. Trust the river. Surrender to the river. To that that's the whole analogy of uh of embracing the power for women. So that's what's happening with Nynaeve. She can't embrace the source on command. And most of the time when she does it, it's sort of under duress, which she is here with the Shanshen, but it's like, it's not just like every time that she needs it, it's like plot convenient that it works out. Like it, a lot of the time she just can't do it. So she has to overcome her block if she's to be able to channel on command. And like, she's like super useful when she can get it up. And a lot of the time she can't basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she like she brought land back to life in season one. Mm-hmm. Highly motivated. And this one, she's like, can't do it. And it's not it's not a uh, an exact science for her. Right. She right, has to yeah. figure it out. She's got to get through her block. And they mention it. They, they refer to it as a block in the tower when you see like Shiriam and them talking like. How yeah, that's. We're just doing great. Everything's fine. You're right. Yeah. No, there's just glass. and. OK, so anyway, does that make sense? More yes. with Nynaeve? Great. <laughs> I'm like three sips of champagne. Like, I'm not fucked up. I'm not even smoking right now. I just am like, I this know. is just where I'm at, I guess. <laughs> Christ. Oh, you are my favorite people. I love you. <laughs> I love you. So I do have a question. And this is more of a uh, point of view, I guess. Like, whose point of view kind of thing. The way the Turok speaks to Suroth, it seems like he thinks they're the good guys. Yeah, he certainly does. Yeah, so... It also, I also really like that they established that Turok doesn't really know who a Shamael is. Oh, no, they definitely do not. Uh, yeah. Suroth does. Yeah, I know that. So, yeah, it's establishing that just because a Shamael is with them doesn't make the entire nation, which, by the way, the nation of Shanshan is, like, massive. Um, and it, it doesn't make all of Shanshan dark friends. Right. All of Shanshan suck and are evil because they're slavers. Like Shanshan's really interesting because they are fundamentally pieces of shit. Everything about them is the worst. Like their society is a fucking disaster, except the trains run on time. Right. This is the whole the the sort of conversation around the Shanshan is like they're pieces of shit, but their society sort of functions, but it doesn't matter because they're slavers. Like it functions because of slavery. Like the Shanshan are awful and they're not all dark friends so there's this like distinction between being evil and being like associated with the dark one right and there's these different levels of being evil so they do say that their plan like they are here to fulfill their prophecies right so their omens they talk about so we don't want to lose sight of that we've heard a lot about the prophecies of the dragon and we also heard from 
Avienda, who we'll talk about. Avienda says that they are looking for the Karakarn, their their chief of chiefs, their prophesized leader, right? And the Shanshen are here looking to fulfill their omens, their prophecies around the last battle, and that they're going to be here to fight against the shadow. Their plan is to fight in the last battle on the right side. Right, with Rand. But then he's like, Ashamael, you're the one that read the omens correctly. La, 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 la. And then Ashamael's like, huh, I kind of did, but didn't. But I but, did. But you guys are the worst. And might you just throw a wrench into everything going on? Yeah. Like, like, it's... Yeah, so it's really complicated and interesting. And I, one of my favorite things about the Wheel of Time is that the Shanshen are here to fight the Dark One. Like, they're here to fight on the right side, but like, how the fuck are we to get along with these people? Um, so it's a, it sets up some really interesting stuff. So yeah, I was really glad that they talk about that. And then we have Suroth and Ishamayel and kind of confirmation that the rest of the the rest of the Shanchan don't know that they have a Forsaken in their midst. They're here to fight the Forsaken. They're being manipulated by the Forsaken, but they also are fundamentally the worst. So lots of interesting stuff happening. I'm very excited to see more from them next week, which we will have so much more to say in the Shanchan next week once we get a little peek into what's going on in, in the kennels. Well, that's the worst, dude. Spoiler that is alert, the, it's that nothing is the, good. That's the worst name. Like, I've heard some wild shit. Like, Star Wars has slavery up and down the coast, but, like, that's that's the worst, man. Shanshan do magic slavery, and it's, like, really fucked up, so. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the complexity, right? Because they I are do like bad that. guys, but they're here to fight the devil or whatever, so it's, it's an interesting Yeah, it, it very much opens up a, like, an extremely lesser of two evils type of argument. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I don't like how you do this, but your sword is your sword. So, like, here we are. Yeah. But the way that they handle channeling is what makes it really interesting because, like, they say here, like, they don't think anybody should be able to do that. Obviously, channeling is kind of fundamental to winning the last battle. Life. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't think that, like, obviously, they don't probably ag- agree with the Aes Sedai as a concept. Well, I mean, we know we don't. Seroth yeah. basically tells Leandrin she can go suck eggs. Uh, He's like, you didn't tells earn Leandrin your power. She's going to call her her. She's like, I'm going to make you a slave too. And Leandrin's like, peace. <laughs> like, I, yeah. So um, let's, let's hold our, th- I, the only other thing I want to hit on this, because we're going to have so much to say about it next week, because we're going to get like a ton of Sean Shen stuff next week. Um, but yeah, the Horn of Valir is here. That's important, and I'm sure we'll see it again soon. And are you stoked about the second mention now of this battle in the sky? The Ishamael. Yeah, because Ishamael mentioned it this time. Yeah, and he says the last battle, we're going to win the last battle here because there's going to be this giant battle in the sky in Falm and the dragon's going to come to our side, which... My initial thought was, fuck this, stop gaslighting us, this isn't the last battle. And then I realized what he was trying to say, which is not this battle in the sky is the last battle. It's not. But that, I'm like, that's, I refuse. Like, I'm like, no, stop, stop saying this. I was so pissed. But he's not saying that's what's happening. He's saying, we're not even going to need to fight the last battle, or if we do, it's going to be a cakewalk because we're going to win the dragon now. We're going to get Rand on our side now. So... Are you thoughts? Are you excited? Second, I have, 
I have thoughts on it, but they unfortunately involve another part of our notes. So I will bring it back up. Okay. Um, but again, this comes down to my like, and I want to ask these questions. Like, I don't want to ask them during the episode, but I do want to put the theories out there. But I also don't want to ask, but I'm, I feel like I'm doing an okay job of putting things together about people mm-hmm. or about like motives and shit. I don't have all the pieces, but I get the framework a little bit. And I feel like this theory I'm going to bring up in a little bit is the same way. Okay. All right. We'll but, get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I motion to move directly into Avienda to get that out of the way. Okay. Then we'll do kind of Rand, Moraine, Varen, etc. Okay. Um, Avienda is such a fucking bad bitch. I just, Dude. I just want to hear what you think about Avienda. Oh, I loved her from yeah. start to finish. The fact that she's just asleep in this cage and she's like, "Don't do that. They'll hear you." And Perrin's like, "What the fuck? You're alive." Also, just real talk. Side note: Perrin having to come back and see Uno and getting upset that he didn't even get a proper burial. I was like, "Dude, come on, that's fucked." Um, but yeah, Avienda is fucking lit. I love that she basically signs over her. Wa- I lo- okay. First of all, I just love the way they word that, where she's like, "My water is your water." Like, I think that's so cool. And I'm like, I she's the only other Aiel we've met, but I like, I love everything about them. Also, my dude Dane was kind of like, I was like here for this dude for a little bit, and then. I was like, God damn, you're working with a dude who I thought was dead. And even parent thought this guy was dead. And then the dude comes back and I was like, fuck, I loved this guy in the first season. That dude being Valda, child. Valda. Yeah, child yeah. Valda. Child Valda confirmed alive. So you you definitely, you for real thought he was dead. I super thought he was dead. Yeah. Love that for you. Yep. Um, yeah. You. Dane Bornhold is here. Uh, Dane Bornhold is the son of the white cloak that we saw in season one. The one that like, lets them pass. Yeah. Kind of nice to Moraine and everyone yeah. was like, oh, you should go find an Aes Sedai to heal that. Like, we can't really help you, but you should low-key find an Aes Sedai, even though they're like, hate the Aes Sedai. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of the, he's that guy's son and they're setting him up as kind of like. Legacy. A big deal. Yeah. Legacy white cloak who's like, you know, he's here because his dad's here. But he is pretty sympathetic, you know? Yeah, I mean, eventually he was like, or uh, Child Valdo was eventually like, there's going to come a time where your name is not going to save you. Mm -hmm. And Dane's like, "Ah, have a good night. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Yeah, see you later. Um, I enjoy seeing Perrin run back into the White Cloaks, and I enjoyed them, like, kind of joking with Valda about, like, oh, there's no wolves. Don't worry. It's just our pet dog. Yeah. Like, he clearly <laughs> has been, like, telling that story and being, like, freaked out, like, remembers Perrin and the wolf thing. And we know from Moraine that that's probably going to catch shade. So good setup happening here mm-hmm. for them. Um, I also am getting this, like, weird... It, I don't know why, but it like it keeps coming up and I need I need Perrin to get a weapon. He's always like unarmed. Like he 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 fights with shit he finds, right? And I kind of wanted him to take the axe that Avienda took from Dane. First of yeah. all, that shit just looked dope. It was a cool axe. Um he but does I have also an axe. 
Does he? Well, he fights with like a wood axe. He grab every time that we see Perrin fighting with a weapon, he has the axe. the The axe is absolutely his, okay. his weapon. And he talks with the um, the tinkers about this, right? Who are the pacifists, and they're like, "Is your life better or worse after you picked up the axe?" Is a big question. Perrin kills his wife with an axe. Yeah. Um. Every time we see him fighting, he has an axe, including in this fight with like a little wood axe. And yeah, I kind of thought he might take Dane's axe too. Um, Perrin's relationship with weapons is interesting right now and whether he wants to fight or not. And I love Avienda. Do you like to dance? Yeah, that was awesome. Spears well, Perrin Abara, and I fell over dead. And I just, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, I'm super here for all of this. I also am tracking Perrin's weapon situation. Um, Good. <laughs> but no one has fully specialized yet. Like we saw Rand last week suck asshole with that sword. So Oh my god, yeah. Rand has some ways to go uh in terms of what he's going to be able to do weaponry wise. Um Matt, of course, as you said, figment of your imagination. He does he's not even he doesn't even exist. Doesn't yeah. even exist. Like dude, okay, for everything that I've been told about book fans and then watching this show, you would think that um he was he, God, dude. If like if there was ever the most afterthought character in this show right now, it's straight up fucking Matt. I know. Me and Aaron were laughing about this. I was like, Scott's so mad. Matt's not doing anything, and she's like, He does. I know. And it's it's the most book accurate thing in the universe that Matt sucks right now and isn't doing anything. But like, trust well, me. Yeah. Just fucking trust me. <laughs> I know. I and promise I have- it's coming. <laughs> I, I'm sure you know what I don't want. Here's what I don't want. I don't want there to just be an episode where out of fucking nowhere, Matt just does a bunch of shit. And then it's like, okay, now he's like, his story is in one episode caught up to Perrin and Rand and like interestingness. Like, I don't want them to just be like, fuck, we forgot about Matt. Here we go. And write this in or whatever. I want him to like discover a power or pick up a weapon or have something happen to him. But I don't want it to be like an immediate, like Matt's good at this shit right away kind of thing. I guess it's like my main concern. I think you're going to be okay there. I think you're going to get enough of both. My theory is that we're going to get Egwene with the Shanshan and like a whole ton of shit goes down in Falm in episode six. Yeah. And then I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see the Supergirls in episode seven. I think we might get a really mat heavy episode in episode oh, seven where we catch okay. up. Yeah. I th- I th- because we haven't seen... We didn't see Lan this episode, but he'll be in episode six from the trailer. Yeah, we know that from the trailer. I actually think we might get like a a, a super Matt heavy episode seven that will give us a little bit more. Um, I yeah, I'm I'll leave it at that. But I, <laughs> it's coming. I promise you, Matt's the greatest character in all fiction, yeah. and like Matt from Carlton <laughs> is coming for you. Like Matt is cooler than honestly. You name it right now. I think I prefer Matt. Mm-hmm. Like See, literally, you name it. Matt and- is cooler. Matt is bordering on cooler than Lyra Blackwell. So I'm just saying, like, there's some shit out there. Like, yeah, like, and I don't say that lightly because I love me some Lyra Blackwell. But I, Matt is a hot shit fictional character. So just, just wait for him. Um, but back to Avienda. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, the amount of IL world building that they just drop. <laughs> Yeah, she just kind of has the conversation. And that's like the perfect setting to do that. Parents never met an Aiel before. And she's just like, here's all the things we do. You don't understand this. Neither does the audience. Let me explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Well, she doesn't even really explain that much. Like she explains Chiato a little bit. 
Yeah. Did you clock Gieto? Did it make sense to you? Isn't it that that's like what she's doing, right? Like their their bond or whatever. She has toe. She has. She owes him. Yeah. Basically, um, they'll. I I won't give away more than she's said. Like they'll explain it more. I'm sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure we're gonna get like some serious IEL exposition in season three, but. Um, but yeah, she has she has toe. She owes Perrin a solid, basically, is what that mm-hmm. means. Um, G is like, like to put it super simply, it's like doing nice things, and toe is like owing something back to somebody. Like okay. I owe you. I have toe. I owe you a debt. Yeah. G is like I I did a good solid for you. Um, mm. And toe is like I owe you a solid. So G a toe, right? So yeah, she's got she's got shit to make up for because Perrin hooked her up. So she's going to go with Perrin to Falm, mm-hmm. which 10 out of 10 support. Um, and she <laughs> mentions that she's Farderize Mai, which I'm just like, yes, like, let's fucking go. I love that she just throws all this out here. Like, we have no idea what that means. I'm not going to tell you what it means. Good. You're going to find out. And it's wicked exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Huzzah! I, I, the idea, the ideal are really cool. Like I was, st- I was glued to the screen during that fight. Like that was, yeah, a I was too. Choreograph fight. Like I also like how stupid Dane is. Though he's like, don't attack all of, or everybody attack all at once. If you don't, she'll have you. And he's just standing in the back because he knows they're all dead anyway. Because none of them can yeah. fight Nail. They really make them to be like so terrifying. And you kind of get why that one guy Randall's with in the asylum. Was like so, like he's the Aiel War veteran. Yeah. He's like they're coming. They've breached the walls. Like the Aiel War is like they got their asses handed them by the Aiel. Yeah, the I mean, Aiel dude, a pregnant woman fought in the war, murdered everybody that she yeah. fought. She fought one, had her baby, and like was able to. I mean, she died in in the process because she got stabbed, but she still managed to safely deliver Rand. Like so, and of course, right reminder, like we know that from episode seven i guess of season one where they reveal rand is the dragon that he, rand is aiel and they mention that all the time right and he's that's that was his mom so um obviously we're gonna get lots more of that since he's one of them so lots more rand and aiel stuff coming love it obsessed with it avienda is among my favorite characters so i'm really excited to see her show up this week uh was most pleased to get to my avienda in my season two um, she's <laughs> awesome. She's awesome. So now a lot of the characters that I'm really excited about coming are here. Like we have Aaron, already here. We have yeah. Avienda. Um there's some more still to come that are like big ones that haven't popped up yet. Yeah. But Avienda and Elaine are kind of the biggest ones that we didn't have in season one. That I'm just right. like, yes, thank you. It's fucking awesome. Um and of, and yeah, speaking of people we didn't have in season one, who I I'm like shitting the bed over, Varen. Varen's here, Varen. sleuthing around yep. the tower. Yeah, so now we get to get back to what I was talking about, about the battle in the sky. Okay. So, here's my theory. Um, I don't trust Varen. She seems too interested in what everyone is doing, but I don't distrust her in the way that I distrust Leandrin. I know for a fact Leandrin is bad. I don't trust Varen... Because she's talking about the same things that Ashamiel is talking about. She's talking about the battle in the sky. And Ashamiel is like the battle in the sky. It's weird to me that the bad guy mentions this after someone who's supposed to be an Aes Sedai. And now we know that the Black Aja exists. I'm not saying she's like a dark friend. I don't think she's a dark friend. But 
I feel like with the Browns being all about knowledge, maybe she knew more than she was letting on about the black Aja, or maybe she knew from the jump that they existed and she's trying to keep everyone else. Like all the, the younger girls there, like they clearly are like, what the fuck? Like they could exist. And Varen doesn't really say anything to that. So I think Varen knew they existed and is trying to keep them s- naively like, unaware of what's going on but now it's becoming a problem so she has to get involved and that's why she's back in the tower but the other big thing is i don't think um what's her name the the lady that had the book and varen goes and sees her the not the mistress of novices shiriam i think she's a dark friend really it's it's weird to me that she i don't think what does she call it? Con- compulsion. Condition? The compulsion. other big okay. drop of this episode, the fucking concept of compulsion. Yeah. Let's like go. she, she All basically like imperious cursed her. Yes. Compulsion into- is functionally the imperious curse. You just have, right. but you don't have memory of it. People who come out of the imperious curse are like, I was imperious. Right. I, right. At least typically compulsion. You don't necessarily know that you were. Okay. Compelled. So never mind. That kind of throws a wrench in my plan. I thought Shiriam was lying Mm -hmm. and trying to make it look like she was compulsed. But if she doesn't remember that she did that, then she technically isn't breaking an oath by telling the truth, even though it is a lie. If she was like if she was aware that the girls didn't leave under the conditions that the book says she did, but she wrote it down under compulsion, she believes that's a truth. Right, exactly, which is the the major thing to keep in mind with the three O's. If you believe that it's true, you can say it. Like it's the right. of your knowledge. The, the, the oath about telling the truth is not the way to find out whether something is objectively true. It's just the person saying it believes that it's true. So there's that. Um like if you asked a flat earther who was an Aes Sedai, right? Like let just to do yeah. something like fucking totally ridiculous, <laughs> right? If you're like 100% convinced that the earth is flat, but you're an Aes Sedai, you're going to be able to say the earth is flat, even though that's objectively false because you're right. an idiot and you think that that's true, right? So it's like, uh, you know, sorry to all the flat earthers, I'm sure, who've been like really dedicated to what I have to say out here. I'm sure you guys have been following me closely. I'm sure you get along with me a lot. You agree. With all this shit I have been saying for years on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think when I watched it at first, I kind of had the same thought. I was like, is she lying right now about the girls? Being yeah. Because we know that's not what happened. Um, and then she sort of stutters over it. And then then they mention the compulsion. So I think what they're trying to tell us here is that she's been compelled by Leandrin to write this in the logs. Because Leandrin says in the last episode to Elaine, you're a complication. And yeah, so now she has to create week, a reason. Yeah, because they're going to be looking for the daughter heir. Like, they might be able to scoot, you know, maybe they she Egwene come up and, with something around 90 yeah. Egwene, But Elaine, she's not getting away with that. So they have to come up with something. They say that they've gone to Camelin, which is the capital city of Andor, where Elaine is right. from, to go see her brother's name day ceremony. So we get a little name drop for her brother, uh, Gowan, I believe, is the one. that the, She has two brothers in the books. I think it's Gowan that they mentioned, not Galad. Yeah, it is because I don't think they're doing a lot. Um, so anyway, uh, they mentioned <laughs> they mentioned Gowan uh, and that they're going there for his name day celebration. So I think that she's meant to have been compelled by Leandrin to put this into the log so that people don't look too closely about where the girls are 
And that's why her like handwriting stutters and why she's like sort of thinks that she did it. Like the way you can think about compulsion here is a mix between the imperious curse and like a confundus charm of like right. she's she's been forced to do something, but she's a little bit twisted up about like what happened. It's what not happened? Like yeah. When they come out of Imperio and they're like, "Bitch, I was imperious to do." Like I was. Yeah. You know. So that's what's going on there. But Leandrin's doing lots of, of oath breaking and being. Yeah. As soon as she shows and, up, she's like, I've been here and I had this and I was doing this. And everyone in the fucking audience is like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. One of those things. And Varen yeah. is sort of like, mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. Bet. Like she, Varen. See, is that right there is why I think that Varen knew. I like, I feel like Varen has just been sitting back and like trying to keep track of. I'm like, I'm like uh, no one knew, so I don't know how you could like investigate if someone is a black Aja, but I feel like she's keeping track of like you could be and like you could be or whatever. And like, but the other thing is like, where's the other chick that's with her? Adelaus. Because she would, weren't they supposed to the farm? Oh, I thought they were supposed to be gone. Never mind. Uh, maybe um, she's around actually. Well, she says that Adelaus sent her booze or whatever. Sent her so. booze, yeah, when she meets the other two girls. So, like, yeah, but is that Adelaus mean she's part not of there. it? Or? Okay. But Adelaus is a brown, so it's like, I don't know. But yeah, Varen is, we know that Varen has pieced together that Moraine has found the dragon. Yeah. So, so she, that's why I'm saying, like, there's got to be more to this because she's very, very smart and she's picked up on stuff that we as the audience know. But the rest, there's no context for them to have been able to pick that up except from like small nuggets here and there or like Moraine's actions or them breaking into his. Oh, wait, no, that was Alana. Never mind. Um, But yeah, I, I think she I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. This show is very much making me question the balance of good and evil and the where the gray actually comes in, mm-hmm, which is great. It's it's yeah. doing an awesome job, right, of making it complex and layered. And this is what I'm saying. Like, a lot of the things that I love about The Wheel of Time that just aren't there in season one because it's kind of like loader light. Like the setup, basic, yeah. Like basic setup um, are coming out now and we're getting the Black Aja and we're getting Compulsion and we're getting the Shanshan and we're getting the Broken Oaths and like mm-hmm. – the other huge fucking reveal of this episode and like let's just get into it with Lanfear. Teleranriad. Fucking thank you, Jesus, for giving me the Teleranriad drop. Like, let's fucking finally be able to talk about this place because I have been trying so hard to hold this back from you. I hope I was successful in not yes, you putting were. you on to Teleranriad. Because Teleranriad no. is like the sickest mechanic in the wheel of time and i have just these are the things that make it special and make it yeah. something that i really really love and so different from other fantasy i mean i know there's like dream stuff in all fantasy but like teleran riyadh is so cool and the, so so let's talk about land fear and all the stuff happening in teleran riyadh because fucking yes it's the she says it's the dream thing right it's the dream world the world of dreams teleran riyadh mm-hmm. right okay and so she appears there basically with Ishamael, right? So basically here's what happens is she wakes up from her, she's resurrected functionally, like instantly resurrected. She has the b- black dots going across her eye that you texted me about earlier. Yeah. Um, and which the- that was the funniest thing ever. You're like, what is it? What does it mean? Does it? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have it for you. Well, no. So like, speak to that. 
the only reason I was honestly even asking about it was because like I couldn't figure out if I'm supposed to n- notice that or if yeah. it was just literally like a flat camera thing or something because it's really fucking hard to see. Yeah, you're supposed to notice it. Um, it's it's a whole vibe, and we'll learn more about it. But for now, for our current purposes, it means this is a forsaken. Like you can yeah. take that to mean this is a forsaken, and she's being resurrected by the dark one, basically, right? Like mm-hmm. she's being sent back again um, and spun right back out into that body. So. And then Moraine and Rand run away. They kill a they kill that horse. We'll talk about Moraine and Rand in a second. But then um Lanfear shows up right behind them, uses that whip made out of the power, power fucking six. She like snaps her fingers and beheads a guy, like her control. Oh my god, that power. was so hot. Yeah, she has such such subtle control over it. So different. Like the because remember she was channeling in the Age of Legends. So they know all the stuff that our mm-hmm. our main characters don't know, which is awesome. Also, I like that now that she's like land fear, not Celine. Mm-hmm. She's got this more like powerful look to her. First of all, she looks way more gorgeous than she did as Celine. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's her hair. Maybe it's like what she's wearing. But dude, the final shot of this episode of her just sitting on this throne in the wasteland. Was, I was like, Rad. yeah. I was just like, okay, who, whatever, just do it. Just do mm-hmm. it to me. I don't care yep. who you are. Do it to me. Whatever you were doing. Whatever it is. That's fine. Yeah. I'll stay here strapped yep. to this wheel. Whatever you that's, got. That's rad. Bring it totally. on. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> What's the safe word? Yeah, for <laughs> real. I don't even need one at this point, dude. Like, it, it I would was, like a safe word if I was with Landfear. <laughs> well, no, I know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really liked about Landfear's appearance before we get more into the Teleran Riyadh is she drops other Forsaken's names when she's in the she dream does. with Ishamael. She does. She only, I think she mentions two and then mentions like the boys. She says, Ishamael says, do you know why? Uh, I brought you out first. Why, why I brought, why I brought you out first. Yeah. And she says, because she says, Mogidian couldn't I can't do remember it what she says about like Mogidian, but she says Grendel's a vain idiot. Mogidian, she says something disparaging. And she says the boys couldn't execute a plan if they were under compulsion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, fucking preach. That's so real. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I I believe that this confirms that we will only be getting the three female Forsaken, which is Mogidian, Grendel, and Lanfear, which is disappointing to me because I wanted Semarog, but whatever. They're, like yeah, there are forsaken sucks. that are being cut. Yeah, there there's there's thirteen forsaken in the books. I think there's going to be eight in the show. So it looks like we're going to get five and three. I mean, that's still that time to get Semarog. No, I think this is it. I think I think this is her listing all the forsaken. I think that's what it means. So do you know why I pulled you first? And she specifically names Mogadian and Grendel, and then just says, "And the boys." I think she's trying to be all encompassing. Like, these are the oh, okay. I thought she meant like the twins or something. Like it's two brothers or some shit. No, I don't Mogadian know. and Grendel are women. So I th- and then she says, "And the boys." So I think she's specifically naming like all the women and then listing the boys as a group. Um, which is super real. They are totally useless, but um, <laughs> some some of them are a little. Some of them are not useless, but yeah, we do get them named. So it looks like we're getting Mogidian, Grendel, and then obviously Ishamael, and then unknown other male Forsaken. I don't know which others they're gonna do. I could mm-hmm. take a bet at which ones they're not gonna do, but I won't. I 
you know. But listen to the Dark Friend Social if you're interested in that, because we get deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think um, I think that's going to be the full list of Forsaken. So I I really liked that mention. I loved the scene of her and Teleran Riyadh. So it's it's like Ishamayel like lays down in this bed, and Rand is there, and he's like all up in his face, and then he says like Lanfear, you fucking with me. And she yeah. turns into herself from Rand. So Lanfear has like a ton of control over the world of dreams, I think. And they mentioned that she makes it, it seem around? like, she, no, she makes it seem like she has way more control than the Shamael has. Cause yeah, she's she like, you're getting learning. better at it. Yeah. 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 So she's, she's super talented in the world of dreams. Is she's like kind of learning, but way more talented than like um, other people who are in there. But I think it's really worth noting that this room that they're in and you can see all the like seals surrounding them and the aesthetic of the room, Mm -hmm. the place that they are is the place where the dark friend social is held in the first episode. And I didn't say it then because even though it's in x-ray, I decided to leave it for you. Um, It does say in the x-ray of episode one, their location is Teleran Riyadh. It says that. In episode That's one. dumb. Come on, dude. For people who I know, no, I mean, like for people know. who know, but are like my situation, like that's dumb. If you knew what Teleran Riyadh was, yeah, yeah. If you had a concept of it, but you didn't know what Teleran. No, I had no idea. So yeah, that, so like, I'm better with that. I don't now, know that you but. would have realized, but it's like, yeah. But but anyway, confirmed that that does take place in Teleran Riyadh, and we have also at this point seen Lanfear like yoink Rand in. Right? The We've minute just, he fell asleep, yeah, yeah. So they've ver- they've established between the dark friends who were there and the dark friend social because not mm-hmm. all of them can channel. Certainly, right? Those not all of the people at the dark friend social are yeah. channelers. We see one yeah. Ice die, but we have no reason to believe anybody else there is a channeler. Like we see that one Shinaran dude. Like there's no reason to believe anyone else there can channel. So um, those people are yoinked into Teleran Riyad. Rand is yoinked in at the end of this episode. So they're setting it up and making it clear that like you can bring someone into the world of dreams mm-hmm. who didn't go there intentionally. And we see from Ishamael, he's like passed out in his throne and he like wakes up to talk to Suroth. Um No, he can, gets taken to Turok. Yeah, he's asleep at the table. Yeah, so That's he's right. taken himself into Teleran Riyadh. He has channeled and chosen to go there just from like falling asleep. Whereas some of these other people get yoinked in and the little girl who we see in episode one is likely someone who whoopsie dreamed her way into Teleran Riyadh. Because you can do that without That's necessarily needing sick. to channel. You can whoopsie your way right in there without necessarily needing to channel. So some of the mechanics that they have set up that I just want to point out, like, yeah. hey, they've revealed this to us. This is what it is. Um, those are some of the things that we're seeing now. So fucking That's lit. fucking cool. Yeah. I also noticed Lanfear's wearing her uh, ancient Aes Sedai ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so love that. Continuing to look out for that for Forsaken, eyes open for that ring. I I, yeah. I expect that we'll see it more. It's not a book thing, so I, it's not a spoiler. I just I, I think that's how we're going to be able to tell. I swear there's going to be secret Forsaken, and we're going to see that ring and know outside of Teleran Riyadh. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, everything about this was perfect. And then the last things from this conversation. Um, and then we'll bounce back up a little bit to Rand and Moraine and close out because they we kind of skipped by them. Yeah. Um she emphasizes in this conversation two things. 
One is that the importance of the other Emmons Field Five. So they talk about yeah, he like, breaks it down. Matters the Egwene matters, uh, Matt the the and they are all as we know from the beginning of season one Taviran. Even though they haven't really mentioned that again this season, right. they know they're all Taviran, and we know now that they're all important to the Dark One. So Moraine's bullshit in season one of saying like, oh, whoever of you isn't the dragon who comes to the eye of the world is is going to die. Mm-hmm. It's like. We're hearing now from Ishamael that like these guys are all probably important, and the the dark one and the Forsaken are watching all of them. Moraine, not so much. She now only cares about Rand. So, ooh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. Okay, I, I'm kind of here for that. It kind of makes her wrong, and I like that. She's like, cause she is every time she's been in, like in the situation this season, she's more or less been in control except when her sister beat her ass in the game of houses last week. Mm-hmm. But she's been kind of ahead of the curve. Also, we didn't talk about it, but just, Oh my God. Lanfear just saying bitch when she's like, Oh, I know running her hand over her neck. I, know. I was like, Oh, this is so awesome. And then it's I'm so like, great. Oh my God, she blew that dude's head up. And then she, Maureen killed a horse. Oh my God. She sewed that woman's mouth shut. Oh, I know. Right. Oh, that was rough. That was like yeah. the handmaid's tale. Yeah. She just murdered that horse. Maureen. Yeah. Um, She's just like, I can't give her any chances. <laughs> oh, the other thing, this, this, this is what I was going to say. And it all goes back together. The two things that we learned from Landfear are that the other boys matter. And also how much she like explicitly wants Rand. And then we learned yeah. Moraine too. That's like the big, the big sort of reveal here is that like she realizes with this like awesome scene with her sister of like, does Rand really need your protection? Do you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt? And she's like, actually jokes, maybe not. Maybe that's not like Lanfear had him this whole time and didn't do anything to him and remembers that everything that they know about her is that she was in love with Luz Theron and he was in love with her before he met his wife. Mm-hmm. And that, that was Lanfear's reason. Yeah, that was her oath yeah. was to get him back, which I want to like, know more about that. I want to know why it didn't work. Because if she took this oath and was like, I want the power to like get him back and it didn't happen. Well, remember that, well, Lanfear can channel she always had the power. Right. Right. All of these guys, they have the ring. So I was thinking, is this a spoiler? But no, it's not. They all wear that ring. Mm-hmm. They all are Aes Sedai. And you could be a male Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends, right? Right. Like Theron was. So they are all Aes Sedai. So she had the power. But yeah, she swore her oaths to the dark after Luz Theron left her. But it doesn't mean that there was like a reliable promise that she would get him back. Like that's the thing about swearing to the dark, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not like the dark one has like a ton of integrity. You know, it's not like, Oh, you definitely will get what you want. If you sign on to be, (laughs) it's a little bit star Warsy. Like so much in here is like, it's not as though like Anakin could be like, I'm going to like, I'll be a Sith. And like, definitely I get Padme. Right. Yeah. Like, no. Like, so (laughs) I think, it's a little bit like that. No, it actually is. That's a that's a really good like parallel. It, yeah, it's basically like 
I'll tell you what you want to hear, but whether you get it, it's almost like a monkey's paw kind of like Mm. you might get this, but you're not going to get it in the way that you want if you get it at all or it's not going to be the way. I I also don't know that the show is necessarily setting it up as a quid pro quo, right? Right. Like they're, they're not necessarily saying we all have our reason for joining the dark and it's because he's going to give us a thing that we want. Sometimes it's just like, I'm fucking so pissed and like desperation and just like turns you into a bad guy. Like you just are like, well, fuck everything then. Like, so, but I'm, I'm hoping for a, an expansive flashback to the age of legends because we got the one in episode eight where we see loose there to open the boar, right. Which is what sets the dark one free taints the male half of the source and sets all of this in motion, right. The original dragon. And I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit more where we'll see the other Forsaken and how they get involved in this. Because they all are Aes Sedai to start with. Because everyone who can channel is Aes Sedai because it's the fucking future. And there's no tainted half of the source. And there's no dark one, right? He's still fully sealed away. Like, it's Luce Theron who unleashes him. So at the time of the Age of Legends... If you could channel, you're an Aes Sedai. There's no like stigma around it, any of the things that we see in like the current timeline. So if you're channeling your Aes Sedai, we can assume this about all of the Forsaken. So, um, or any channeler from the Age of Legends, which the ones that we have are tend to be Forsaken. But because uh, they're being spun back, because everyone else is dead, the Forsaken are being spun back out and freed. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, but I think that was a really good reveal in terms of like Lanfear's motivation and that like she, she's been alluding to this all season of like, you remind me of someone you'll help me remember this person that I loved. And we used to come here and it's like, she's in love with Rand from past life. Right. So she has a little bit of a soft spot for the dragon reborn and Maureen decides to trust that and send him into Teleran Rayad to see what the fuck happens and just be like, she's like, I'll just stand here and wake you up if anything goes wrong. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. As soon as she said that, Seems I was like, like a great plan, Maureen. You would probably you not how this is going to work. Yeah. And watch. Yeah. And she hasn't told Rand that she's stilled, right? She just says that she can't use the power to keep them awake. She doesn't tell him. Yeah. I like how she didn't just outright say, I don't have power. I like how she's just like, I can't keep you awake. Let's go inside. Yep. Yeah. And Rand very much trusting the three oaths on Moraine, which she continues to allude to despite being stilled that she has held to the oaths. So I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see. I'm just glad we got Teleran Riyadh. I'm just glad Moraine yeah. explains it to Rand. Like everybody's talking about it. We know who's kind of aware of it. If Moraine knows about it, stands to reason. A lot of the I said I do. Yeah. Like it's probably not. Whereas something that, um, like I guess in juxtaposition to someone like Varen, right? Because Moraine is like a blue... She knows a lot of shit that not everybody knows because of her mission, but this isn't something that she learned digging around some book that no one else has ever read. You know what I mean? No, I feel like blue and brown in the sense of like things they know, blue know the present better mm-hmm. and brown are about the pa- <clears throat> about the past. Yeah, hidden knowledge and they're, right. they're all about knowledge and the blues are really all about their mission at hand. So 
Um, and we know that Moraine only knows about her mission because she was there for the prophecy. Right, right exactly. The dragon would be born. So that's like happenstance that puts her on that mission. So yeah, yeah I think it stands to reason that she's not the only person who knows about this. So yeah. Um, and then of course, just like to call out, I feel, I feel it's like my job to just call out the things that the show has said that are like exist out now so that we can be like, put things together. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Hey, I saw that. I saw that. They did talk about dreams, uh, with regard to Perrin. Yeah. And the, right. And the wolves. So mm-hmm. there's, there's like all kinds of fun Teleran Rayad stuff to do. There's a lot you can do in Teleran Rayad in terms of like, they can like change their shape create spaces bring people into those places like bring trollocs into those places like tell her Riot's so lit yeah that's i'm i'm excited to see like more about it especially because all we've seen of like now that i know that that room was tell Riot, Mm -hmm. and then the very next time we see it it's just this big ass fucking wasteland like i'm i'm super here for it i want to see more about it tell her is a little bit what you make it so it's yeah there's a whole yeah. lot of cool shit to do and see and sleuth and spy and <laughs> like uh, like oh, it's so cool it's so cool there's so many mechanics that can come out of teller and it's a really neat clever way to do all kinds of shit so i and and i think calling back to some of the other stuff we've seen like in the second episode they all have those dreams about the bats and the bats were real yeah Right. And Moraine's like, careful about your dreams. And Ishamael shows up. Oh, this is okay. This is one of the things from last week that I like didn't think I could tell you. And I was just like, I don't know how to begin to explain this when you were confused about men. And how did Ishamael like bring her into this room? And how are these things happening? How's he making her see these things? That's probably the dream. That was probably, yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't think that it was explicit necessarily. Honestly, uh, I think Aaron had to point that out to me. Like it's not, it's right. It's like, but yeah, eyes open for like weird things that are happening. And this is what I love about the wheel of time. Like in like a game of Thrones, for instance, there's lots of dream sequences with Bran. Right. And a lot of them are prophetic and a lot of them matter. And you can kind of go back in retrospect and see how it's prophetic of something that happened later. But in the wheel of time, it's like, a very real place that you can go to and you can opt to go there or you can be yoinked into it. And you, there's, and it's, it has very real implications like the bats. Um, you know, you can, I, and Moraine says you can be hurt in Teleran Rayad. That's real. Like you can be killed in Teleran Rayad. Like, it's not just like, Oh, that was interesting. I wonder what that meant. It's like, this is happening. So I really like that about, about the world of dreams in the wheel of time. I think it's, it's so much more fun than other dreamy things in fantasy, especially when you figure it out. Like for the first couple of books, like they're, they're making this clear now much earlier than they do in the books. Thank God. Um, Cause in the books, there's a lot of dream stuff happening and I'm like, I don't fucking care about this. And then it's like, Oh wait, hang on. We were actually there. Back up, back the truck up. <laughs> we're in that room. I thought I could glaze over this. <laughs> like that was real. Like it's real. It's all real. So Yay. Yay. (laughs) Yay is kind of like my main takeaway from this episode. There's just a lot, a lot of mechanics that are coming out and like the things that I love about this story starting to be utilized a little bit more. So yay, Teller and Riyadh. Yay, Black Aja. Yay, Compulsion. Yay, the Horn Mm -hmm. of Valir. Yeah. I like that they didn't show the horn though. Like we still don't know what it technically looks like. It's just like a thing in a box. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> God, you have said two things during this episode that are going to push me over the edge. <laughs> and I won't tell you what the other one was because I stayed a lot quieter than I just did. Thing in a box, you'll find out what's in the box. What's oh in the God. box? No, you'll find out what goes in the box in a while and that's, you'll see. But the other thing you said, I won't tell you because it's more obviously of a spoiler, but. Mm. I think I know what it was, though, just based on, like, looking on your face earlier when I said it, but... I stayed quiet, though. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> um, the oh, last... there's so much cool shit that's going to happen. I can't <laughs> wait for, like, season five. <laughs> I know. Like, I just... I want... I'm, I like this slow buildup with villains. Like, right now, everything's all about Lanfear and Ishamael. But then now we have like the Shanshan and it's like, okay, but the Shanshan like think they're doing the right thing or they want to be doing the right thing or whatever. Um, but you guys suck shit. Yeah. And then you and have then, like Pat and Fane and these other dark friends who can't. I still don't think. Around. Yeah. I still don't think that Pat and Fane's a dark friend. I think he's using you them. don't? I don't. I think he's using them for something else. Okay. Because he was involved he gains nothing by giving Matt that, or let me rephrase that. Ishamayel and the Forsaken gain nothing by giving Matt the dagger in season one. Like they could have all basically killed him. Matt takes the dagger from Shatter Logoth. Right. After, uh, Fane like whistles that it's around. He's whistling in that room. He makes it seem like he's there. I guess they kind of tempt him into it. Well, here's what they have to gain. This isn't even like, thank God they've revealed enough now that stuff isn't spoilery necessarily. Um, they mention in this episode, how important the boys are, the dark one, the dark friends know this, how important the other friends are. So corrupting Matt probably does do a lot for them. And they say, this is the other thing they mentioned, but I'm just like, I just refuse to even hear it um, is when Lanfear's like, they're talking about the boys. And she said, and Matt was born ours. He was born ours. And it's like, don't talk shit about my boy. <laughs> I'm not that I don't accept that statement, Lanfear. Um Is that what I, she says? Because I couldn't figure out what she said. Cause she's like, Perrin, we watch Perrin or whatever, and then Matt, and I couldn't hear what she said. Yeah, she said Matt was born ours. It was her or Ishamael who said it, but they said it was Matt her. was born born ours. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> but anyway. I refuse to hear those words. I will not get on board with this blasphemy. Oh it's my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's yours, Landfear. Go back home. Oh my God. She is wherever she is, is home. <laughs> anyway, we're only 23 minutes over when we said we'd call it. So we're doing pretty good. Um, I'm glad that we're, we're stuck right into this. We'll be back next week for episode six you and i will be back next week we'll we'll get that out uh over the weekend but the dark friend social will be back the following week for episodes six and seven because aaron and i are just a little bit slammed um but you and i i think will knock out an episode over the weekend so um i guess look forward to that uh we'll record first for once so we'll get probably a lot of good discussion out of that because I won't have already done an episode with Aaron. So, uh, and I'm excited for next week because I think it's going to be primarily Sean Shen. And then I do think we'll probably leave 
Falm and the girls and catch up with Matt during episode seven. So yeah, I'd, to come. I'd be okay if that's actually how it went down. It'll work out for the episodes too, because if that's what happens, it'll work out because um, we likely won't have two episodes worth of any one character to cover. So maybe we'll be able to get through stuff at a decent clip Yeah, uh, in the dark front social, but we'll, we'll find out because Aaron and I have been just squeeing every Saturday night. Just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'll let you take us out of here, but that's, that's kind of what it, uh, what to look forward to fellow nerds and listeners in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Hooray. Well, as always guys, thank you so much for being here and we hope you even learned something or, you know, or not. I hope you, yeah, I don't I don't know, even, yeah maybe you're hating I hope the I show. Didn't spoil anything. Yeah. <laughs> if you are, like, what are you doing here then? Yeah. I don't um, know. but yeah, really. <laughs> be sure. Well, Lindsay said, she said the schedule already, but be sure to check back with us every week guys. While this is going on, we will be covering a wheel of time exclusively until uh, the final episode. And we'll get back into the timeline. If you want to support the show, we would love you forever, but please be sure to follow our links to our website, our Instagram, our Twitter, all of the fun stuff. If you feel like supporting the show, we would very much appreciate it. But again, we just love you. Um, you can check us out on our Patreon uh, to support the show where you can even go to our website as well. So you guys can request the timeline. If you guys got something you think we should cover, let us know and we'll make it happen, Captain. But until next time, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy. <laughs>